Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, good morning again. If you've got your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to find the book of Proverbs and put a bookmark there. And then go into the New Testament and find the book of James and um, just stay right there. I'm going to be in James chapter 1 in just a minute. So it's interesting. Let's bring the house lights back up, folks. Because I need to see who I'm yelling at. I mean, uh, preaching to. So um, if you don't have a Bible, if you walked in and forgot yours out in the car, you just don't have one in front of you in the seat back there or underneath, you'll find Bibles there. And one of the things we love uh, about doing here at our church is if you don't own a copy of God's Word, if you'll just open up that front cover, it's got a message for you. And it says that if you don't own a copy of God's Word, make this one yours. All right, so... Um, we would love for you to put your name in there and um, start using this on a regular basis. Amen? All right, well, here's what's powerful about this. Uh, this is an accumulation of 66 different books written by 40 different authors over a 1,500-year period, period of time. It, it, it was written on three different continents in three different languages, and yet, you know what? There's one message. There's one theme, there's unity in this entire book. No other such accumulation of books exists. You know, I could give you that challenge and you could find any 66 books written over a 1500 year period of time with 40 different authors um, and you could not find the same level of unity that you see in God's word. That's why we love that. That's why we want you to have a copy of God's word if you're here and you don't. Well, uh, I'm excited, not just because of uh, baptism this morning, but it's a new series, all right? And I love preaching in series because I don't have enough time to say it all in one day, and so I got to break it up and um, uh, give it to you over a couple days. So this one is a three-week series, and the title of it is called People Problems, all right? Now, here's the reality. We just made it through the holidays. You're a survivor. Okay, you've made it through the holidays, and most of you are like, "Woo!" You know, the relatives are gone, uh, unless you're all local. And I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, here's the here's the truth. There's different types of people. You know, you know, there's introverts, people who like to keep to themselves. Many of you here are introverts, and you find out that when you're by yourself, you get, you know, that's how your battery gets filled up. And then there's other people who are extroverts. Extroverts, they want to touch everybody, meet everybody, hug everybody. Anybody know anyone like that in this building right now? Yeah, everyone pointed back to Josh Cross. <laughs> There's also what the Bible calls hearers, people who, who listen and, and read God's word. And then there's a distinction. There's also doers. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. 
and through this weekend, and that is uh, hearers and doers. And so if you've got your Bibles, if you found the, the book of James in chapter 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 22. And verse 22 says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers. So there's two types of people that it's addressing. We're either a hearer or a doer. I don't know that there's an in-between for us that we can squeeze into. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. So one way that you can look at God's word is this is a mirror and you can hold it. How many? Well, no, I won't do that. But uh, you can look in the mirror and in the mirror, you can see, you know, which whiskers need to be shaved off, which one's got that little wild one, you know, about your nose hairs. I mean, you see it all. If you don't look in the mirror, trust me, everyone else still sees it. But in verse 24, it says that some people look in the mirror of God's Word and they look at themselves and they go away and they forget what they were like. There's hearers and they're doers. And here's why we forget what the mirror looks like. Because we take God's Word and we change it from a mirror and we turn it into a binocular. And we start looking at, oh, I see Pastor Lee and Sherry. And we start looking at Josh's actions. And Matt over there, we start watching people. We, we look in the mirror and we see something and we forget about that, but then we turn it around and we start looking at everybody else. Isn't it easier to look at everybody else through the the lens of God's Word, then sometimes it is to look at ourselves. Well, that's why I want to tell you about this topic called people problems. You know, not only are there hearers and doers, but, um, you know, this book, this collection of 66 books is broken up into different types of, or categories. And there's one category called books of wisdom. And one of those is the book of Proverbs I've asked you to find, and I hope you found that. Another is the book of Ecclesiastes. And then another one is the book of James. James is the New Testament book of Proverbs. The guy who wrote that was Jesus' brother. And so he gives practical advice. And if you read the book of Proverbs, which I'm going to uh, go through a lot today, you hear from what the Bible says was the wisest man who ever walked on the face of this earth. Now, we understand that Jesus was God in human flesh. So let's not put him into Solomon's category. But the Bible tells us that, that there was no one wiser than Solomon. And so here's what I want to share with you, is that in the book of Proverbs, in the book of James, we hear about three different types of people. We hear about those that are, the Bible calls wise, those that the Bible calls foolish, no elbowing, and those that the Bible calls evil. And here's the, the truth. If, matter of fact, if you got a note taker, if you look, um, there is a chart on, on the back of that note taker. And in that chart, it has wise, foolish, and evil. And there's descriptors of each of those categories. And so today, next week, and the following week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be going through and you're going to hear me talk about these. I may just talk about one item, but you'll be able to say, oh, well, if that's what an evil person looks like, and then you can see what the wise, and this is all based on Scripture. And, and, and as you start hearing about what the Bible says about the wise, the foolish, and the evil, what you're going to learn is that 
you know what? There's a little bit of each in all of us. As good as we want to be, that evil sticks up its, it, it binds us. And, and maybe it's just in a certain area where you can, ooh, you can twist that knife and you do it with a smile. And you think no one's seeing. And then the, I would say probably the one that is the most prevalent is the foolish group. And, and here's the reality. We have a choice. And we don't have to be one or the other. Matter of fact, the human phenomenon says this, that you're going to be, in one day, you could be wise in your decisions on what you eat. You can be foolish in the decisions on what you do. And you can be evil in your actions toward other people. One day. It's amazing that we can do that as people. Let me talk to you about that, that evil group. You know, the... Um, the, the one thing I want you to understand is when it comes to wise, foolish, and evil, it's really about the heart. Why? Why are you doing what you're doing? That determines if you would be considered wise, foolish, or evil. And the, and the reality is this, that those who act out in an evil manner, they are being controlled by a demonic powers. And you say, that can happen to the people in the church? Absolutely. You can be influenced and you can take actions that are absolutely straight from the pit of hell. You can do it with a smile. You can do it right after you close your Bible. But the wise person, the Bible tells us, is controlled by the Spirit. So the wise is controlled by the Holy Spirit, and the evil person is controlled by the not-so-Holy Spirit. And then you have the, the group in the middle, the foolish group, and they find themselves being controlled by the flesh. What's in it for me? How's this going to help me out? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 9 and verse 7, these very words. It says, whoever corrects a scoffer, an evil person, gets to himself abused. You're going to be attacked. And you're going to be hurt. Because that's what evil people do. They delight in hurting. And it says, those who reprove a wicked man is going to bring injury upon themselves. Many of you, the sweetest people in the world, you've, you've tried to help somebody. You didn't realize they were evil, and their response to you surprised you. Well, not only are there evil people, but there's foolish people that are described in God's Word. And the foolish people, here's the reality. It's not about being educated or not being educated. It's not about intelligence, all right? What really describes the foolish person is they're unteachable. They, they know everything, and they don't need to know anything else. And I'm not just talking about your 17-year-old sons. You know what? We do this in our 30s, our 50s, our 70s, where we become unteachable. Not only that, but um, the fool is prone to make excuses. The foolish person is uh, going to blame everybody else. They see it somewhere else in someone else's life and the reason why they're doing these things. And the foolish person, what you're going to find out through the next three weeks is that they need boundaries in their lives. They need consequences. You know, I mentioned earlier that it's not a, about a level of intelligence. Matter of fact, some of the um, smartest people are the ones who act foolish because they have this gifted ability to take what should be being done by themselves and put that on other people. And those other people end up doing it for them. And guess who pays the consequences? The other people. They never have to pay the consequences. 
So Psalm 14.1 describes to us about the fool. And it says these words, the fool says in his heart that there is no God. Now, I, I want to tell you that it doesn't mean that everybody who is foolish is an atheist. But I would tell you that they're living like one. Because the Bible tells us that from out of the heart proceeds the words of our mouth and our actions. And the fool that says there is no God, he lives like there is no God. He lives like there are no consequences for his mistakes, for his sins. Jesus had a, fool, a bunch of fools come into his life. One of them was named Peter. Peter was probably the most foolish of all the disciples. And yet Jesus was able to restore him. How did he restore him? He rebuked him and he invited him to become better. Well, you know, there's not just evil people and there's not just foolish people. There's actually some wise people out there. And here's what would probably describe the wise people the best. And that is that they're inclined to move toward godliness. It's because they're controlled by the spirit and not by the flesh, not by demonic power. And they try to be godly. They try to make great decisions. And here's the, the reality. If you were to correct a person who's wise, they'll hug you. They'll say, thank you. If you correct a fool, they will confront you. They'll argue with you until you give up. And if you correct an evil person, they will accuse you and they will probably try to destroy you. Proverbs 13, 20 talks about the wise person this way. It says, whoever walks with a wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. You know, and that's the decision that we all get to make today. And, and I want to talk to you today specifically about eight laws of relationships. Um, this is out of the book, uh, Spirit-Filled Jesus, and, and the eight laws of relationships. And, and here's what's the, the reality. Here we are, we have a faith that is based on a Savior who um, reconciled the entire world by putting it all on his own shoulders, by putting himself on the cross, by leaving his home in heaven, giving all of that up, doing what we couldn't do ourselves. And yet that's what he did. And here, that's our faith. So what could we possibly hold against each other? But it's a shame that the local church has some of the most factious divisions that you'll find anywhere. The local church, I mean, that's why we have 150 of them in Centralia. Because we can't get along with each other. We, we, we read from the same Bible. We worship the same God. And yet, we don't like each other. So what I want, and, and here's the reason why, is because we break the laws of relationships. And so what I want to do is I'm just going to give you eight of these today. And, and I just want you to kind of look in the mirror. All right, you, could, you got binoculars all week long. But, but right now, for the next 20 minutes, just look in the mirror and see how you're doing with each one of these laws. And the first law is the law of hospitality. And the law of hospitality says this very simply, and that is we should be friendly toward all, but friends with a few. 
You know, Jesus was that way. Jesus was friendly toward all. I mean, he, everywhere he went, crowds followed him because he was friendly toward all. But yet he had a um, inner circle. I mean, he had a group of 12 that he, he breathed life, he invested in, and yet there was three of those that were inside an inner circle there. And so we should understand this law that um, the, the law of hospitality is you can't do it all. Now, I know uh, you're going to throw back at me and say, but, but Pastor Ronnie, you said that one of our missions is to love people. We need to love everybody always. You know, I, I agree with you. We need to do that. We need to continue to do that. But, but loving everybody always doesn't always mean that you need to put them into your friend's circle. The Bible tells us that a man of many companions comes to ruin. And what happens is we try to be a friend with everybody. We try to invest in everybody. And what we run into is the next law, and that's called the law of capacity. And the law of capacity says this, that relationships take time, relationships take energy, relationships take money. And, and I, maybe you're different, but I don't believe that you have an unlimited resource of any of those. I know you don't have an unlimited resource in time. We all got the same amount. I'm seeing that you don't have an unlimited resource in energy on New Year's Eve. I'm with you. I, can, I almost didn't make it all the way through. And I know... If you do, I'd like to talk to you after the service. But I'm pretty sure you don't have unlimited money. So here's what I would tell you. Is that just like you can't make a deposit in everybody's bank account, wouldn't it be nice if we could just go into the bank account and start thinking of people? You know, Donna. Man, pull up Donna's account. Put $10,000 in there. Don't tell her who it was from. And then uh, we ask, you know, hey, pull up Joey's account. You know, give Joey $20,000. Now, it would be nice. I would love to do that. But the reality is that after one, I'd be in trouble. Carrie found out I'm in deep, deep trouble. <laughs> and here's the, the truth of the matter. Jesus knew about the law of capacity. You read over and over again how that the crowds were drawn to him. And then yet, what would he do after investing an entire day into a crowd? He would withdraw, and he'd be alone. And he'd spend time with the Father. He'd spend time with the Holy Spirit. So here's what happens when it comes to the capacity and realize that you don't have an unlimited time. You don't have unlimited energy. You don't have unlimited money. When it comes to wise people, you need to invest more time, more energy, and more money in them. When it comes to foolish people, you need to be limited on how much time, how much energy, and certainly how much money you invest on into foolish people. And when it comes to evil people, none, nada, no. Each of us have a, a certain capacity. Some have a bigger capacity and some have a smaller capacity. Some have an ability to get more out of their 24 hours than others. Other people have this, like, you've seen these babies running around here? And their energy, we're like, look at them and say, man, I wish I had that. Some of y'all do. I've seen you. 
I, I see Nathan out there running up and down the basketball court with high schoolers. I watch it and get tired. And some people have a smaller capacity. And that's just the reality. You don't have the energy you had when you were 20. You don't have the energy you had last year. You may not have the money that you had in a certain season of your life. And maybe because of a season you're in, you don't have as much time as some people. You, you still have 24 hours, but you're putting a little more in it. You, you, you know, you're working more hours. Your family's taking more time. And so when it comes to investing in other people, you've realized that you just don't have the, the capacity. And so you need to understand that. And you need to live accordingly. Well, not only is there the law of relationships or hospitality, not only is there the law of capacity, um, but we also need to be thinking about the other law, which is the law of priority. You know, and the law of priority is this. If you want to destroy a relationship, violate it. Here's the problem. Most people get outside of their relationship lane. You know where this, I, I, I don't even say amen, but sometimes we treat our adult children like they're still our children, children. And that creates conflict. You say, but they're acting like they're 12. It doesn't matter. And, and the same is true. Sometimes you start treating somebody at work like they're your spouse. It's going to conflict. It's going to be a problem. You're going to destroy a relationship. Our priority should be God, our spouse, if you're married, our children, and then others. Those that make the mistake of putting their children in front of their spouse usually get divorced after the kids move out. Or they'll hang in there until grandchildren. And the reality and the truth of the matter is that if they don't make their spouse the number one priority in their life outside behind God, they'll lose it. You know, one of the things that we, we like to do is we take our relationship with God and we ask people to be our Jesus. We ask people to never leave us. We ask people to never forsake us. We ask people to give us wisdom. We ask people to help us not get worn out. We ask people to comfort us. And the problem is that when you give other people Jesus' resume, you're going to hurt. When you ask other people to be the one that encourages you all the time, when you ask other people to be there for you like Jesus is, is promised to, when you ask other people to put up with you, even in your ugly state, when you ask people to be your Jesus, they're going to fail you every time. Why? Because they're not Jesus. So if you'll keep that first priority right, if you'll keep God right, and then you'll take care of your spouse, you'll probably find out when you're taking care of your relationship with God, you're, it's easier to love your spouse. It's easier to be Christ-like towards your spouse. And then you'll do the same thing for your children, and that will trickle down into all of your relationships. Well, here's what happens. Sometimes we take our job and we put it right up there front. And you know what? Your boss loves it. 
Your paycheck shows it. But sooner or later, one of those other relationships is going to break because of it. You know, the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, that God is a jealous God. Now, you know, here in 2021, when we hear the word jealous, we think of that as a bad, as a negative term. But the reality is that, that this is a very positive term because what God does is he looks down, he looks at you, and he thinks about his relationship with, with you. And what happens is he sees your job, your car, your truck, your children, your grandchildren. He sees everybody else in the spot that he's supposed to be. And the Bible tells us very plainly that our God is a jealous God. Our God, He is willing to do anything for us. And yet what we will do is we will take other people. We'll take what God gives us. We'll take the help. We'll take the job. We'll take the relationships. And we'll start putting them in front of God. And we'll ask God to bless it. But see, when you have your relationship with God right, what happens? You experience true forgiveness. You know what true love looks like. You experience grace and mercy the way that the Bible talks about it. You find out that um, his love perseveres. You find out that he gives you wisdom. He encourages you when you're down. And he's willing to speak the truth in such a way that it challenges you and changes you. See, a perfect relationship starts with God. The law of priority, get your relationship with God right. You know, when it comes to the relationships, there's another law, and, and it's called the law of seasonality. I know we're in southern Illinois, and, and it seems like sometimes the seasons change in a day. And, and maybe that's true in our relationships. But the reality is this. Here's the law of seasonality, and that is, um, while some relationships last a lifetime, most relationships last only for a season. And when you try to take a relationship that was years ago and, and, and make it happen today, you come up gasping for air. You come up short. Because those relationships in elementary school, they've changed. The people have changed. The relationships that you made in high school, you know, I mean... There's an epidemic all across our country where people um, get, they, they, they break up that relationship with their spouse, the one that they swore to for eternity, and they go back and they find that love in high school. And what they're looking for is the way they felt in high school. And, and it, it, it won't come back like that. When you were in college, you had certain relationships. When you got out of college and you were single, you, you know, you found this circle of friends that you were with. And then what happened? One of those single friends got married and they changed. All of a sudden, it wasn't important to be with the group. It was important to be with their spouse, which you now know is a law of priority and they were making the right decision. Those that didn't make that decision probably aren't married today. And then there's a, something happens when um, these uh, young uh, married couples get together one of them starts having these little critters, children, and everything changes. Tectonic shift. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes, for everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. There's a time to 
be in elementary school. There's a time to get to high school. There's a time to graduate, and, and some go to college. There's a time to be single, and then there's a time to be married. There's a time to have kids, and there's a time to live in the empty nest, what we call the promised land. <laughs> the Bible says it this way, there's a time to plant, and there's a time to pluck up. I, I, I don't think I have to be a rocket scientist, and I know you don't have to be to realize that right now is not the time to plant. Maybe there's a plant out there that you plant them now. And then in June, something beautiful grows. But you better know that. Because otherwise, when you're planting when you're not supposed to, you're not going to be plucking when you are. And you're going to be disappointed. You're going to wonder what happened. The Bible tells us that there's a time to break down and a time to build up. Just a month ago, we were breaking this entire room down. Took all the pews, carried them out. Ripped up all the carpet, but look at us today. It's as beautiful, if not more beautiful. See, there's a time to break down and a time to build up. There's a time to keep, and there's a time to let go. You know, the law of safety really tells us about when a time to let go is. And the law of safety says this, that not all people are safe. I know we want to believe that. I know we want, as, as followers of Christ, we want to see the best in everybody, but the real reality is that there are evil people out there and there are unsafe people that are there. You know, love is free, but trust is earned. We should give love to all people. But when we start investing our trust, we need to be very careful in how we do that. Why? Because some people are very, very dangerous. And if your friends are telling you get away from that person and you're saying, no, you don't understand, you don't know them, you don't love them like I do, you're going to find out that you're breaking one of these laws of relationships and what you're going to find out is your relationship is probably going to get broken because evil people want to hurt you. Evil people want to tear you down. When we think about wise people, they are life-giving. They, they, they speak words of wisdom into you. They help you right where you need it, just enough, not too much. Foolish people are life-wasting. Whatever you give them, gone. I mean, let's just be honest. Our children are foolish with most of the Christmas gifts we gave them a couple weeks ago. And we're not much different. People give us, and we waste it. I learned that a long time ago. If you don't have some skin in the game, you won't value it as much. You could give somebody something worth $1,000, and they'll treat it like it's worth nothing because they paid nothing. You can give them a something worth $1,000 and make them pay 20 bucks, and they'll treat it differently for some reason. Because foolish people are life-wasting. And listen to this, evil people, they, they come to steal kill and destroy. Why? Because that's what their father came to do. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your happiness. He wants to steal your comfort. He wants to steal your security. He wants to destroy anything good happening in your life. When you get into a good relationship, when you get plugged into a good church, when you start seeing good things happen, the evil people, they just, they want to tear you down. They want to tell you about all, hey, don't you remember what you were doing just last weekend? 
Hey, do you remember last summer when we went and did that? And you could either get defeated and let the enemy kill and destroy you, or yet you can be wise. And you say, yep, but you know what? I read about this guy named Jesus. And he had this incredible thing called grace. And he gave it to me. I don't deserve it. Man, you know what? Because of what we did last summer, we might should be in jail. Let's keep that between us. <laughs> Proverbs 2.12 says it this way. When you seek out wisdom, it will deliver you from the way of the evil man. The man that speaketh forward things. Now, we don't use that word very much anymore. Matter of fact, most of us don't use the word evil very much. But that word froward talks about an active disobedience. I mean, just ornery, mean. That's what the evil person's like. And you know what? As they'll, they'll smile. They'll hug you. And yet when you turn around, you don't see that knife that they've pulled out. Because they're only here to steal, kill, and destroy everything that's good in your life. And yet your heavenly father, he only has good in store for you. He only has the best of intentions. Proverbs 2.13 says it this way. They leave the path of uprightness. Why? Because they want to walk in the ways of darkness. In verse 14 it says, they rejoice to do evil. And here's the interesting thing about evil people. Most of the time, they're responding out of hurt that they experienced in their life. You know, you've heard the saying, hurt people hurt people. You know, that's where evil people come from. They, they might have been abused. They might have been abused sexually, physically, verbally. And then what do they do? That's all they know how. They've never been in a healthy relationship. And then when wise people come in and wise people show them what a good relationship looks like, they listen to the enemy. They listen to everything they recognize growing up and they throw it away. So how do we respond to an evil people? Nothing. The exact opposite of the wise. The wise, you run to them, you hug on to them, you hang on to them, and you take everything that they'll give you. The evil person, you need to avoid them like the plague. You need to avoid them like COVID. because they'll do worse to you than COVID ever could. The sixth law is the law of clarity. You know, in this law, things that we need to think about are, is that we need to stay in our relational lanes. Now this week, I got a blessing and that Chuck and Pastor Lee took me pheasant hunting. Yeah. So we got out of the van and, and we were in our area and we start going and uh, Rusty, um, Chuck's dog is just, he's working. The next thing you know, he spots and he's pointing. We walk up and sure enough, there's pheasants. I think in the first 10 minutes, we had three. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> what I mean is Rusty's good. <laughs> well, then we're walking around. We got five. Our limit was six, two each. And there was one and I, and I, I said, I saw him. He, he ran off. I don't know if you've ever been pheasant hunting, but pheasants run. And this little, well, we were chasing one, and as we walked past, this other one went bloop, and he's just running. And I'm watching, and I, I turn around, so I'm starting to run after him. 
I'm like, Rusty, come on. But Rusty wasn't leaving that one until it was taken care of. And so this one ran about 100 yards and then he flew. And he flew across the street into another area. I hated to say this as a pastor, but I said that, shouldn't we go over there and get him? We're not supposed to be in that area. We were supposed to, you know, there was a timeline. We waited and waited and waited, and then we cheated and went over there a few minutes early. And then, old Rusty starts pointing. We start walking out. I walked past the bird. <laughs> Remember, I told you Rusty was good. Not so much. I walked, I mean, I probably could have stepped on that bird. And that bird was wise. He didn't move. And I'm about 30 feet past it. And I, I'm, you know, the whole day we had done good. We kept in our lanes. I got 30 feet past. And I turn around. And old Rusty's pointing. But he's not pointing in front of me anymore. He's pointing behind me. And Pastor Lee walks up and we, he sees it. And that bird takes off. And all I saw was Pastor Lee's gun. I saw Pastor Lee's gun, Jesus. And then I heard the trumpet. Boom, boom. And the pheasant fell. And I, I reached around. I didn't have any BBs in me. I was like, thank you, Jesus, that I didn't say anything bad. In that moment, you see what happened was I didn't stay in my lane. I got outside of my lane. Got in the pastor leave. And what? And what? By the grace of God, I'm here. All I could think about was years ago the vice president of our country shooting a friend while they were quail hunting. And I'm like, man, that is not going to look right on video with, you know, me having band-aid all over my head. You see, you got to stay in your relational lane. Moms, you got to stay at mom. You know why it's hard to be a single mom? Because you can't be a mom and a dad. Dads, you need to stay in your lane. You can't be a kid. You got to be a dad. Parents, you can't be a buddy. You got to be a parent. So you got to stay in your relational lane. And here's the reality that if the, the other person's actions aren't changing, i.e. they're not getting out of your lane, you need to move. And so here's what happens when you find that people are outside of the relational lane and inside your relational lane. There's one of two conversations you need to have. You need to have a closure conversation. When you encounter evil people, you need to have that conversation to say that we're not going to talk again. And then you need to have the discipline to stick to it. Or you need to have what is called a transition talk. And that is where you, you coach them back into their lane. You coach them into what they're in, in the relationship between you and them. This is what it looks like. See, some people want to be your best friend and they're not. And you're not investing them like you invest in your best friend and they get frustrated. And so you need to have a transition talk. Jesus did this. Jesus had a closer conversation with Judas. He said, go and do what you've got to do. And there was never, ever a conversation between those two again. But he had a transition talk within 24 hours of that same conversation. 
And that was with Peter. And Peter ultimately made the decision to go in the right direction, to move towards wisdom, toward godliness. And because he did that, the church is what it is today. Because he did that, 6,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost, or, or maybe it was that weekend. Well, there's another law that sometimes we violate, and it's called the law of familiarity. The law of familiarity says this, familiarity breeds contempt. What happens is when you look up to somebody, the closer you get to them, the more you realize they're just a human. They, they put their pants on the same way you do, or skirts. What you're going to find out is that they're not perfect. You know, that happens a lot of times with pastors. Pa you know, people put us on a pedestal, and then you find out that I'm just a guy. Matter of fact, I'm a guy who spent 28 years in the military. I would tell you I'm a warrior. You know, sometimes I don't do it the way pastors are supposed to. And people get close to someone in leadership, someone that they look up to, and then ultimately they'll end up. Matter of fact, Jonathan Edwards says it this way. He says, those we idolize, one day we will demonize. You do that in personal relationships too. You hold your daughter or your son up, you idolize them, and then they make a bad decision. And you're not the most loving. There's that perfect couple. Oh, boy, if we could just be like them, life would be good. And then they're the one that gets divorced. And their divorce crushes your marriage. Because instead of making God your priority, you made them. And people will disappoint you every time. They may not do it intentionally, but I'm here to tell you they will. At some point, you're going to run out of excuses. And the truth of the matter is that you didn't have God in the right priority. And the last law I want to share with you this morning is called the law of economy. And what that means is, I think you probably realize this, but some cars get good gas mileage and some don't. My truck's one of those. It don't. You need to realize that. Look at it like Jesus. Jesus had Thomas, and Thomas doubted him. He had Peter, and Peter denied him. He had Judas, and Judas betrayed him. And yet there was another guy. His name was John, and John loved him. And the truth of the matter is that you need to, with wisdom, look at the different relationships. You, you don't have the ability to, to give every one of your relationships everything that you want to give them. Remember, you don't have all the time, you don't have all the energy, you don't have all the money. And you certainly don't have enough to where they'll say, stop, don't do it anymore. Because if you give them money, they'll take it. They'll cash that check. If you invest time watching their kids, they'll keep bringing them over. If you spend your energy building things for them, they'll let it sit out in the backyard and watch you build another one. You see, each one of your relationships has a different gas mileage. And you better realize what that is. Some of your relationships are taking a lot of gas. And amazingly, some of the relationships, like when you leave, your gas tank's fuller. 
and you need to have the wisdom. You know, I started off in James chapter one, and I'm going to go right back there, and I'm going to I'm going to read verse 25 to you. I didn't read it earlier this morning. And James chapter 1 and verse 25 says these words. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, right here, the mirror, and perseveres. Being not a, just a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I just gave you eight laws of relationships. Some of those like were knocking on your door. Some of those were your toes are like scrunched up in your shoes right now. Some of those were speaking to you. And the question is, are you going to respond the way that you should and get that law corrected? Or are you going to walk out of here and like, you know what? That was a great message and don't think about it again. If everyone would, go ahead and stand to your feet and worship team, come forward. I'm going to ask my prayer team to come up as well. So those of you who've been on the prayer team in the past, um, if, if you would come up to both sides over here. I know that's a surprise. I didn't tell you guys this beforehand. But here's the question that you have to answer. You don't have to answer it out loud. Your actions will answer it for you if you don't. The question is this, and, and I, I want to take us all to one law, the law of priority. And I want to ask you this, how are you doing? Is God first in your life? Is he? No, you don't have to say yes or no. Have you made God the number one priority? You may be here and, and you haven't been in church in a long time and, and you, would be, you would classify yourself as far from God. And I'm here to ask you, would you make, is God the priority that he needs to be? And if he's not, are you experiencing some challenges in other relationships? Many times we, we make that relationship with God right, and we expect everything else just to flow smoothly because we made our relationship with God right. And what we don't realize is that because we made our relationship with God right, it's going to start creating some stressors. It's going to start creating conflict in other relationships. And then if we're not careful, we'll sneak that other relationship back up in front of God. Don't do it. Make God your number one priority. And so here's what I'm going to ask. We're about to sing. Don't go through life alone. We've got folks on both sides over here that if they're ready to pray with you. These are prayer warriors. These are folks who pray God hears and God answers. It may be something that's unspoken. You know, so I, I just pray for me and allow them to pray. The Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered together, there I am. He's in this room. And if you want to experience a little bit closerness, I would encourage you, while the song is going on, just join and, and ask one of these folks to pray with you. Let me pray real quick. Lord, God, I thank you that you give us people problems. And God, I hope 
and pray that if we hear nothing else today, Lord, that every one of us will make the decision to re-establish you as our number one priority. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and all that he did for us on the cross. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.